This new combination of modern mathematical theory with advanced computational tools is going to revolutionize the space industry and engineering in general. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Oh, yeah, baby, Martin, when you low. When you low. What a legend. Sounds like a rap song, doesn't it? Uh, When you low, I'm high, or something like that. He's becoming one of my favouritest people ever, but we'll talk about him later. We absolutely will. Hats off to the incredible Martin, when you low. Matthew, how are you? I am very good, considering my weakest horribilis. Oh, man, you've had a hell of a week. Oh, Do you know what's great about Jamie, you, Matt? Jamie, what? Is that when you fall, you only bloody go and get back up. Oh, totally. I'm like that song. Don't you? I get up oh, again, and if I never get to get me down, you know, <laughs> you know that one. <laughs> I, don't, I think I know what you mean, yeah. Well, you're going to have to back me up here. <laughs> no, I, I know exactly what song you're well, Thanks a lot. You were supposed to... This is what friends are for. I You're get supposed knocked to... down. You mean that yeah, one? Yeah, I get knocked my... Chumba Wumba. Oh, my Chumba God. Chumba Wumba, your favourite band. Oh, God. The anti-establishment it's... group, Chumba Wumba. Um, they really hit it to the man, didn't they? Yeah, with, with that song, big time. Oh, I'll tell you what, talking of hitting it to the man, <laughs> should we talk about Genesis? Let's talk about Genesis, not Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins. And not the beginning of the Bible. Massive admirers of both those as a one as a work of fiction and one as a couple of rock legends. What do you Definitely. think about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, buddy. Oh uh, dear. So if I said to you, September the eighth, two thousand and four, what would you say to me? I would say uh, that we are heading for the fifteenth anniversary of the first sample return beyond lunar orbit. Oh. That's not bad, is it? I put a picture of this beast, the Genesis. I'm looking at it right now. It is stunning. And it's ace, isn't it? It's the most steampunk satellite ever built. It really is. It looks like a really complex golden Swiss watch that's been taken apart. It does, doesn't it? It really does look like a watch. I might get a watch made yeah. to look like the Genesis satellite. It's absolutely amazing. I'll tell you what, I'll take one as well because it's a work of art. We will put it up online. As well as an audio service, we're visual too. Have we got an Instagram account, Matt? We've got an Instagram account. Get out of here. Yeah, big time. And we post little pictures up every now and then, don't we, Jamie? Oh, don't we? I tell you what, do we do we like a hashtag? We do like a hashtag. We are down with the kids. If you do hashtag space exploration, I try and use that one. Yeah, check us out. $264 million. Genesis. Yeah, that was the NASA question when they said, how much is this Discovery class mission going to cost? Yeah, first time NASA sample return mission uh, since the Apollo program, right? Yeah, so yeah, nothing has ever come back to Earth since the end of the Apollo program until Genesis. I, I, I tell you, it's it's so it's so cool. So it, it launched August the 8th, 2001, I think mm. on a Delta II, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And then crash landed in Utah on September the eighth, two thousand and four, and the, okay. uh, there was a, a bit of a design flaw that 
meant that the Drogue parachute didn't open properly, but we'll get onto that. But gotcha. But the crash only contaminated some of the samples, and the scientists were able to kind of work through and most of the science goals from the spacecraft. They actually managed to succeed in in getting that information out of these sample collectors. So the sample collectors, and the reason why it looks like a giant gold Swiss watch, mm. they're almost like prospectors' pans, you know, that, that you yes. used to look for gold. But but imagine oh, they're yeah. made from silicon wafers, all these hexagonal silicon wafers, all glued together Ooh. with. And basically, yeah, when ions hit, the, basically the so, it's collecting the, so, the particles from the solar wind, tasting essentially the sun itself. It's as if it's licking the surface of the sun to see what the sun's Ooh. made of and what the solar wind is made of. So there's all these different Sounds detectors. Sounds a bit spicy for me. But I, t- I tell you what, I do, love, I do love a wafer. Yeah, a silicon wafer in particular. Oh. And yeah. yeah, and and so yeah, all the, they're all all these solar wind is crashing in at two hundred kilometers a second, and then and then these ions are sort of burying themselves into the surface of the collector, and then the collectors shut themselves up, and then it all goes back to Earth to crash into the Utah desert. What a ride! But I tell you, this is where we need to talk about Martin Lowe. The cool part of this mission is the orbital mechanics, and it mainly comes from the brain of Martin Lowe, who's worked at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory since 1986 with his PhD wow. in maths from Cornell. Not too shabby. He worked on a thing, a program called L-Tool, which was used on this mission, and it also was the thing that uncovered the interplanetary superhighway, which we talked about last week briefly, but and we've talked about it before, but yeah, the interplanetary superhighway, or the ITN, the interplanetary transport network, not to be confused with ITV. Uh, it sounds like a road that I would overtake you on. Well, what on the ITN? You know, in my in my like nineteen seventies <laughs> Mustang. Overtake my Rover seventy five. Yours would definitely break down less, but still. Although, let's not talk about yes, that. Let's yeah. not talk about breaking down. I'm still recovering. Okay. Um, oh. Yes. Yeah, so, but but the the coolest thing about L tool is that it uses chaos theory. So it was chaos theory that uncovered these orbits, and he Martin Lowe describes them as these delicate tipping points at the Lagrange point. So these Lagrange oh, points, yeah. the way that he the way that he describes it is so good. I've put this in as a quote because yeah, it he 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 uses the Lagrange points, these delicate balance of the forces as the portals of the seeds of chaos. Do you want to hear it? You, you sound like Obi-Wan when you're talking about, that's it, delicate balance of the forces. Yeah, I know. And chaos. Yoda would be totally into Lagrange points. Oh, man. So, yeah, you this is what... totally on Dagobah, man. This is, <laughs> this is what he says. <laughs> he says. He says, chaos is a bad thing if you can't control it or don't understand it. But like any powerful technology... Properly understood, chaos can be really useful. In fact, we will use a connection between L1 and L2 predicted by chaos theory, which requires very little energy, in order to bring Genesis back to Utah. How little, you ask? Well, believe it or not, theoretically, if we perform the entire mission absolutely flawlessly without any errors, once the Genesis spacecraft is launched the spacecraft will automatically go into the L1 halo orbit, collect the solar wind particles, and bring it all back to Utah 
right on schedule without firing a single rocket engine. That was the trailer for Chaos Chaos Theory, a new film by Matthew Russell in all cinemas now. But uh, this is the amazing bit. He goes, but if you don't handle chaos properly, even if you just breathe on the spacecraft, it will cause the spacecraft to fly off and escape the Earth completely. Ooh. Yeah, that sounds dangerous. But if you think that that, I mean, so what he's saying is, yeah, that this L tool used chaos to predict this crazy orbit where basically the Genesis spacecraft flies off to one of the Lagrange points, goes in orbit around the Lagrange point with its detectors pointing the sun exactly where they want it to be, orbits for a couple of years, then suddenly drifts out of that orbit, drifts over to L2 Lagrange points, does an orbit there, then drifts back to the Earth to crash in the Utah desert using no thrusters whatsoever to do that entire manoeuvre. Using using chaos theory. Are you yanking my chain? No. And this is the best bit. It says, it's even more fantastic than you can imagine. The halo orbits at L1 and L2 are actually portals to a network of dynamical tunnels that connect the entire solar system. By jumping into the hole in the halo orbit, you enter this vast and ancient labyrinth of tunnels and passageways that connects the Kuiper belt beyond Pluto to all of the planets all the way to the sun. Instead of the picture that Copernicus and Kepler gave us of planets in nearly circular orbits around the sun, isolated from one another, the solar system is alive, breathing and communicating, sending objects like comets and asteroids from place to place throughout the solar system. I call this system the Interplanetary Superhighway. That might be one of the best quotes (laughs) I've ever heard you say, Matt, and you've bloody said some quotes. I mean, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? So that this network... Wow. The more I read about the interplanetary superhighway, in fact, the more I read about the interplanetary podcast as well, the more amazing life it. gets. It is... Wow. I mean, I might get that tattooed on me. Yeah, so... It's a bit long. So the Genesis probe actually worked as well. This is the incredible thing. So Martin Lowe, he designed this this orbit and it went and actually did this orbit and his he said the genesis mission is perfectly named because its trajectory might be the very means by which the life building and life shaping objects have come to the earth so all the things like asteroids and and comets that have crashed into the earth that have brought us all the ingredients for life have traveled down these tunnels of the interplanetary superhighway I just, I just don't know what to say anymore. So, yeah, so the Genesis probe travelled its 1.5 million kilometres and returned to Earth 15 years ago, probably when you're listening to this podcast, when it comes out. So, yeah, how incredible is that? It is absolutely mind-blowing. I think I need to learn a little bit more about this guy and read up a bit more about the interplanetary uh, superhighway. Yeah. I bet there's some documentaries on YouTube that I'll like. Man. Oh, yeah, totally. Plus, it gave us the opportunity to hear you say Lagrange Point in your wonderful Lagrange accent more than once. Point. Which is always a, it's always a treat for the podcasters. Do, do you know, I'm going to make Martin Lowe even more of a bigger hero for you. He likes Got cooking. 
Italian food and Chinese food, and he likes eating it as well. He reckons. Yeah. He likes Tick. he likes cats. Okay. Are you a cat man or a dog man, Jamie? I'm dog. I'm, but, I'm a dog man you know, too. I'm a dog man. I'm a dog man who doesn't want a dog. Dogs would be great. I'd love a dog if you didn't have to walk it, feed it, or clean its shit. I would love a dog if I didn't know it was going to be extremely expensive. I could probably get over the picking up poo and all that malarkey, but oh, I'd love a dog. Well, maybe but, we should share a dog then. I'll pay for the dog. Yeah. You can clean up its poo. Okay. And then we'll be really happy. Oh, imagine us two going for a walk on Brighton Beach with our doggy. Oh, we, we would look the cutest. Oh. What kind of dog are we going to get? Um, Has to be sort of space related. Is there any space well, themed dogs? What, what breed was Lyca? Oh, good point. Got to be a hybrid. A mixed breed dog. She was launched on the Soviet <laughs> Union Sputnik 2. Mixed breed okay. of what, though? Just says mixed breed. Oh, for goodness oh, that's sake. Not very she does look very it? much like a Jack Russell. Yeah. I think we should get a Jack Russell. Although one that doesn't bark a lot, please. Can we should we call it Jamie Russell? Oh, I think we should call it Lyca, shouldn't we? Okay, yeah, let's call it Lyca. But no but no, but Jamie, I haven't even got to the coolest bit about Martin Lowe. Oh oh god, go on. He fi- he appears in Werner Herzog's film The Wild Blue Yonder. What? He... And you know how I feel about Herzog. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It. Oh That's what I'm saying. It. God. And he's the winner of the National Organization of Gay and Lesbian Scientists and Technical Professionals Best Scientist Award. There you go. I was looking in the wild blue yonder and <laughs> <laughs> I saw from the corner of my eye the interplanetary superhighway. How was that? That was very good. So I guess, yeah, that, that was the year after um, the, the probe had crashed in Utah. Oh, by the way, we should say why the probe crashed as well. The probe yes. crashed because Lockheed Martin, who built the probe, the, the Genesis satellite, was, which was a good job, they skipped one test. They skipped a test, and that test would have revealed that one of the workers had put a tiny capacitor-sized accelerometer the wrong way round. How many times do you hear that about spacecraft crashing that some form of sensor's been put in the wrong way round? Yeah, that seems like it just couldn't happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. They're like, oh, uh, who put the battery the wrong way round? It's plus minus, dickhead. Yeah. Talking of accidents, we, sh- yeah. we should say um, that Vega, Europe, Europe's small sat launcher, Looks like it's going yeah. to return for 2020 after they've identified what went wrong. It's a little bit vague, what they said. Mm. Thermostructural failure in the forward dome area of the Z23 motor. Blimey. They're having to go away and all the subsystems are going to be re-looked at and, and redesigned. But Avio uh, are pretty confident that they fixed this particular problem. So... Good to see ESA will be back next year with a slightly improved, safer version of the Vega rocket. It is good to have that positive news. Well done, ESA. And ESA have also been in the news with a very intriguing story about ignored emails to SpaceX. Did you, did you see this one? What? So No. So the satellite I went to uh, Germany last year to see the launch of, 
Aeolus, uh-huh. the Aeolus satellite, which basically is one of these weather satellites that fires its this brilliant laser into the clouds to measure the uh, what type of clouds they are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, Very yeah. innovative uh, satellite, amazing piece of kit. Now, this amazing piece of kit, highly expensive, I'd imagine, was almost uh, in in a collision with one of SpaceX's Starlink satellites. Oh. That sounds expensive. From this new mega constellation that they're sticking up. Okay. They got a warning from the American uh, station that tracks all this stuff and said, look, there's an increasing chance that you might have a collision. So it started off, this chance came down to 1 in 10,000, which is the point, I think, which triggers the fact that they've got to do something about it, right? So as soon as it gets to 1 in 10,000, you can't kind of go, "Uh, we'll be all right. Because I so guess you're telling me there's a chance. You know, there's a there's a chance. A one in ten thousand, and that was last Thursday that it got to that. So they was thinking, right, let's email SpaceX and see what they what they're doing about it. But yes. they didn't get a response, uh, and then <sighs> by the out of office, <laughs> yeah. Well, essentially, it seems like that's the kind of thing. So by Sunday, the chances had increased to one in a thousand. Now that is dicey. I certainly wouldn't want to put. Would you- Imagine that you've got this thing going on. It's like, uh, yeah, we're, we're out of office now. We close at five. Please call back Monday. Well, it, yeah, and <laughs> so it. So they thought, right, okay, it's one in a thousand. We're going to raise the orbit of Aeolus by three hundred and fifty meters, uh, and, uh-huh. and that's a lot of work because you've, you've a you've got to fire up thrusters on a really expensive satellite. That of course that maneuver itself could go wrong and damage your satellite. So. And then you've got to put make sure that when you put it in a new orbit, that's not going to smash into something. It's it's really complicated stuff to do. So it's not like something you you, you do lightly. But everything's worked Definitely out fine. Not. So so they increase the orbit and and it's and it, and it's it's fine. I don't know how often they have to do these avoidance maneuvers. Ninety percent of ESA's avoidance maneuvers are from derelict space debris. So there's been nine thousand satellites in in space. And only right. two thousand are currently functioning. So that means there's seven thousand out there that are just out of control, spinning around the earth. You know what? When whenever I hear that kind of stat, and we've heard it before a few times, it does remind me just how much junk there is up there. Yeah, but the thing is, space is massive. If you think space is big, if you think about the surface of the earth, if if you go higher, obviously that surface area is bigger. Totally. By a squared factor as well, because you're talking about the surface area of a sphere. Well, it's the same reason as why monkeys get lost, isn't it? Is that right? Because jungle is massive. Okay. Do you like that joke, Mm, Matt? I felt shoehorned. Do you think any of our (laughs) listeners will be confused? I don't think we've got any anymore. Yeah, true. Now, what uh, head of safety at ESA said, Holger Krag, he said, no one was at fault here, but this example does show the urgent need for proper space traffic management with clear communication protocols and more automation. And what a name. What a name. Holger Krag. Holger Krag. This is how wow. air traffic control has worked for many decades, and now space oper- operators need to get together to define automated manoeuvre coordination. AMC. AMC, that's what we need. So, yeah, Europe have been talking about AI and all these kind of, they're investing heavily machine learning 
um, That's right. uh, things. But SpaceX, yeah, they, they did have to apologize because they, they had some, like you said, some kind of uh, out-of-office thing. It was their on-call paging system prevented the Starlink mm. team from getting additional email correspondence from ESA. It's crazy. But Imagine that. It, it has flagged up this whole thing of, yeah, there's a lot of satellites going into space now. And it all needs coordinating. The other, the, the other really interesting thing, if we, if you go back to when we talked about Starlink, I'm sure Elon Musk said that there was um, collision avoidance equipment actually on the Starlink satellites themselves. So the satellite themselves are looking out for objects that they could collide into. So, so that's another worry in some respect. Is if you might move your satellite with some data that's that's ahead of the Starlink, and then the Starlink satellite might move because it can see something and crash straight into this your move object. such a great point that there's these things that are pre-programmed to react in a certain way, yeah. but it doesn't mean that the next thing is pre-programmed to react in the same way. Well, I'll tell you what that's a bit like. It's a bit like chaos theory, isn't it? Oh, don't get me started. So we need to phone up Martin Lowe and say... Can you use your maths brain and tell us how likely it is that we're going to have some form of collision out there in space very soon um, because of all these well, mega constellations and stuff? And he'll probably be able to give well, us an I'd answer. Well, I'd really, really like to get him on the podcast. I'll tell you what, I'm going to send him an email. And, I'll, you know, if I get an out of office, that's okay. I think he'll get back to me. <laughs> nice. You know? Well, hopefully, hopefully. I'm in no rush. No. Um, talking of mega constellations... Hmm. Uh, one web said that oh. that it's going to provide broadband service to the Arctic next year. Next In year. In quote marks, fiber-like yeah. broadband yeah. service. 375, mm. oh, wow. yeah, 375 gigabits a second. Does that mean I can still upload videos? I reckon you'd be able to upload videos on that one. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if I'm recording a podcast and I can't put it online, what are we going to do? I don't know. I'll just have to go old school and just go outside. We'll have to go outside, Matt, won't we, on a lump of ice mm -hmm. and, and just shout it out, See, like the old soapboxes, see if we get a crowd gathering. You might. Maybe a few. Penguins. Uh, Do they have penguin penguins? I uh, know. We, uh, see, we're gonna make, we oh, might make ourselves look idiots here. Cause see what you've done here, Matt. It's polar bears in the north, penguins in the south. So it's polar bears in the Arctic. Correct. <sighs> Wow. Penguins in the Antarctic. Although, you know, you could go to Drusilla's Park and see a penguin if you wanted. Someone should take a penguin to the Arctic just so that's not true anymore. Just to save my blushes. I reckon that maybe we could we could arrange that. Did you see that NASA's Parker Solar Probe has just whizzed past the sun for a third time? I did see that. So it came within 24 million kilometres of the sun on Sunday. Project officials said the spacecraft remained in good condition throughout the flyby. Wow. Uh, so it's... a little launched a little more than a year ago, Matt. Mm -hmm. Made two previous flybys at similar distances. But soon we'll come even closer. I can't wait. Wow. Yeah. That's, that is one good space mission right there. Chandrayaan-2. In the next yeah. hour or two, Jamie, we're... Here we go, here we go, drum roll. We will know if the Vikram lander 
will actually land on the moon safely and do a soft landing, making oh. India the fourth country ever to succeed. What do you think? The, Come on, India, you can do this. What do you think the other three are? Uh, China. Yes. Well, we know China because they did it quite recently, didn't they? Russia. Mm -hmm. America. <laughs> Imagine if you didn't say America. And the, <laughs> and the all American attempts involved litho breaking. And almost Israel. Oh, I'm so upset about the Israel one. Bereshit would have, because I predicted that as my favourite space mission of the year. It still kind of is. It's still kind of giving with its tardigrade thing that's so controversial. Oh, tardigrade. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, man, that tardigrade thing was incredible. That that The scientist that just thought, oh, I'll just stick them on anyway without asking anyone. That's pure ridiculousness. <laughs> that's, rock, that's rock and roll. <laughs> that is. Do now ask for permission later. Not exactly. I'm not quite sure that's the way to proceed when it comes to planetary protection. Yeah, probably not. They're just sitting around like high fiving each other. He's like, guys, it's a good time to tell you. But, um, <laughs> I, st I snuck yeah. on a bunch of life forms without telling anyone. Mm. Might have thrown on some tardigrades. <laughs> Problem? <laughs> well, I don't, you know, I'm yeah. stuck on some life forms. Ah, don't worry about that. They won't survive yeah, the harshness fine. of space. Ah, Definitely they're, they're, will. They're like tardy grades. Ooh. Yeah, they love it, if anything. <laughs> they love it. They're like finally. Don't, an don't anthropomorphize a tardy grade. See, I only said it so you could say that long word yeah. and look cool. I, I probably, I think I've said it wrong. Yeah. That's the worst thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> remember the German mirror? The German oh, yeah. mirror that's landing what has landed on, on Mars as part of the InSight lander mission, it's been stuck. Yes. A little mole's been stuck at 30 centimetres deep because it just can't get oh. enough friction in the surrounding soil to get any deeper. So Tell me about it. So the Mars InSight team have been trying to work out that they can maybe use the scoop on the end of the lander's robotic arm to kind of help press the mole into the into the ground a bit it's really it's so heath That's robinson like isn't something it? from a film isn't yeah. it like this is very tense we need to flip this thing over oh man it is it's, it's like crazy to get the uh yeah it's like yeah matt damon's trying to get the signal back you know what's he gonna do man it's gonna be brilliant we always find a way don't we us humans absolutely you see how i'm lumping myself in with some really really clever scientists <laughs> Absolutely, you are. You absolutely hey, are. Hey, we share, we share, uh, we share a common ancestry, even if I'm the bonobo. I, I yeah. want to just say a big shout out to all our patrons. Absolutely, every single oh, one of them, uh, especially, finally, yes. especially these legends. Here we go: Anthony, Auden, Bob, Christopher, Darren, James, John, Julio, Justin, Karel, Matt, Michael, Rob, Stas. And Sven. You see all those names there you've just read mm -hmm. out. The next time it rains, wherever they are in the globe, it's going to rain diamonds. Oh. Because they deserve it. Yeah, man. They, they, not only are they Skylon patrons, but they get heavily involved and shape the podcast almost. They shape the podcast. The they get on Discord. They're on Twitter. They're on the Gram. I love our Discord channel at the at the moment, Jamie. Matt, I've got a, I've got a question for mm -hmm. you. Could we do what we do without them? No. 
Literally no. See, I like that because you really quick, you were like, no. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Well, that's proof because I, I know when you're lying and Matt just, di- he didn't lie. No, I did not so lie. So I would like to say thank you. And and we talk about this before. I know that we bang on about it, but this is a free podcast that we do. And this enables us to make it, you know, a little bit better than it would have been. And I tell you what, it makes it, uh, a, it means that we can actually put it online and people can find it. So if you know someone who likes space, why not mention it to them? Oh, I love space. Jamie, I love space. Space is good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's good, I love it? space. I love space. That's why we do Oh, yeah, that's why probably why we do this podcast. It's probably not a coincidence. It's probably why we do it. Is it? No. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk so, about Matt. You know, my, my second favourite subject after space is Matt. You did say you wanted to have a chunk of time to talk about yourself, yeah. <laughs> so this is a different Matt, Jamie. Oh. Yeah, this is a different Matt. So terraformation need not engineer an entire planetary surface. A city region is adequate for inhabitation. That's essentially what we're talking about here. 2036, this company called the Lake Matthew Team They want to use Mars Terraform and Transfer, or MAT, as a plan to create a habitat on Mars that's kind of semi-terraformed. So they say that this is an invention uh, as a practical mission plan to terraform a region of the Martian surface, uh, and that it's it's practical and doable using uh, current technology and basically what it does is it goes out, gets a asteroid, and crashes it into Mars. And then right. and, and then you have this enormous crater, which they call Omaha Crater. And in Omaha Crater, it would be so hot that you'll have all this liquid water because all the, the sub-ice will have melted. And the temperature sure. will remain really, really hot for a very long time because you've put so much energy into mm. this particular spot. I'm with you so far. And then, because you've got this crater, you can then sort of build all your habitats around all this stuff and use this liquid water and the and the very hot water beneath it to power all your industry and do stuff like that. I'm all for it. Should we sign up? It's pretty amazing stuff. Can you tell me a bit more about it, please? Yeah. Man? I will. Here we go. I tell you what's the weirdest thing about this this project mm. is that they they they're, they've applied for patents for it. You don't often hear about that. Yeah. The Matt Impact Site, this Omaha uh, crater, uh, they've actually identified where this will be and the flight plan, and that's all intellectual property under a non-disclosure agreement, but it is specified. Uh, and that's, sure. I think that's what they're trying to kind of patent. They actually put on their website the six firms that have the ability to finance and construct the shepherd. Now, what on mm. earth is the shepherd, you ask? Well, the shepherd is a type of satellite called a D Starlight class satellite, right? Now, okay. the, these things, are, it's, there was a, uh, there's a company that makes D Star. D-Star is using lasers to uh, deflect an asteroid 
and D star itself would be, say, an, uh, uh, a satellite in Earth orbit that would protect Earth from satellites, from asteroids that, that were heading towards Earth by yeah. firing a laser at them, heating the outside, and this ablative heat uh, would then uh, create a small thrust on the asteroid to actually veer it away from crashing, so crashing with very Earth. Very simple but very clever, yeah. isn't it? And they've got all sorts of diagrams about how much laser power you need to deflect uh, asteroids of certain sizes etc etc so it's a it's a perfectly good idea and it's one that's being financed by nasa and various other people around the world so d star mm. and they also have another class of satellite called the d star light which is like a satellite that goes out and actually flies alongside the asteroid fire it so that's one that you would build to go to a specific location to fire lasers at an asteroid at a at more close quarters i guess Yes. So this is what the shepherd is. So the shepherd is this machine that goes out and essentially starts firing a laser at one of these asteroids, maybe using the interplanetary network even. Um, yeah, the interplanetary superhighway. Now we're talking. And nudge it into that so that the asteroid is nudged into a collision path with Mars and hitting this specific site on Mars to create this Omaha crater. Oh, that's nuts. It's mental, isn't it? It is completely mental. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. I've got a great image in my head. Yeah. And so Omaha obviously is named after the US Army's D-Day beachhead. Yes. The, the bedrock would hold one quintillion joules of impact heat. That's a lot of Ilian. That is a lot of Ilians, a quintillion joules of impact heat. So, Matt, heat. tell us, t for those that don't know, including me, a quintillion is is how many billion? How many zeros? 18. 18, yeah. So a billion is nine zeros, isn't it? And so Correct. it's a billion billion. It's big. Wow. Yeah, no, man, that is, that is so... <laughs> man, that is big, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow so obviously you can tap into all that heat tap in and, and use some of that that energy so yeah it's it's definitely worth looking into so if you ever get the chance have a have a have a look at it there's some great pictures again it's a bit like an eat it's like a vast eden project and some of the cooler things that they have they have some of these uh, domes are built on on the land in the basin of the crater and some of the domes yeah. are actually underwater as well in the lake in the center of the uh, um, crater as well. So there's actually sort of subaqueous domes in the center of the lake. And they, they'll yeah. be able to, you know, building heat exchanges and stuff like that, they'll be able to power all this stuff from this from the really strong heat at the bottom of the, of, you know, uh, well, using this quintillion joules of energy, it's going to last a long time. Just they wouldn't take it. that big an asteroid to actually uh, cause that to happen either. No, it wouldn't. One of our newest Skylon patrons, Sven, Hello, yeah, Sven. Was, uh, was, th was thinking maybe the, pa the patent thing was a little bit, a little bit over the top. I kind of think as well. I mean, how close are we actually to doing this? Surely not 2036. 
Imagine if we were starting. Surely not. Imagine how amazing that would be if we if we crashed an asteroid into Mars in 2036. Well, I think that I'm going to do it earlier than that. Oh, okay. But that's because I'm an entrepreneur. That does seem a little bit like you're a bit crazy. All I need is a quint- quintillion bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob, the great Bob, he didn't think that the heat would last hundreds of years. He reckoned it would only last decades. Mars hasn't got an atmosphere, right? Or not much of one. Um, it's not protect. The heat isn't protected, is why. Yeah, I, mean. I think I think that there's an element of this, but because the um, because the asteroid creates such a deep crater, there's actually quite a lot of atmosphere over the top. So you actually do get a bit of atmosphere more than usual because it's an unusually deep part of Mars, and it's even deeper because you've created this massive crater as well. So maybe not as bad as you think. But yeah, also it was pointed out in the Discord that that there was going to be quite a lot of dust after that after that impact. Dust. And what would happen with the dust on Mars? You know, it's yeah. it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of questions. But I can't help thinking that these people at the at the 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 Lake Matthew team have thought quite a lot about it. However, there must there must be something harder than it looks with something as major as crashing an asteroid in do you know what i mean yes correct yeah you would have thought that they'd thought about that it'd be interesting to and and that's why we should get martin on yeah we need to know about this stuff oh man let's talk about chaos theory and asteroids crashing into other planets i mean because what else have we got to talk about there's nothing there's nothing else to talk about really james nothing else otherwise we'll just do what we normally do and talk about your old band broadsword and how you got quintillion views on youtube with your first single there were <laughs> the first band to ever do it quintillion quintillion views yeah. on because because we just so happened to be invaded by a life form that was really tiny and billions of them and they could watch youtube exactly they they just went towards the music they loved which was yours oh uh, i want to read a george bernard shaw quote that comes from the uh, matt project which i quite like Ready? The reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, Mm. all progress depends on the unreasonable man. Beautiful. All progress, Jamie, depends on the unreasonable man. What have you got to say about them onions? That is a beautiful quote. Would you like to hear another one? Whether you walk on Earth, walk on an asteroid, or walk on Mars, remember to take your bloody shoes off. Ooh, Matt, does it I, make you feel I wouldn't weird do when any you walk of into someone's things. house and they say, can you just take your shoes off, please? It's all right in winter, isn't it? Because you can understand it might be a bit muddy. Everyone's moved towards having tiled and wooden floors these days and less of your kind of carpets but i guess if you've got my, yes. like my mum's got like a white carpet it's just like well what were you thinking what Ooh, were you thinking asking for trouble what were you thinking even if i walk in with slightly sweaty feet and cheap socks where the dye runs you're in trouble i've got a sad story for you if you're okay. ready uh, i once had a date with a girl is this is this a limerick and... i once had a date with a girl <laughs> i once had a date with a girl and i asked for a little um, swirl she showed me her carpet uh it was a white did you carpet eat her carpet and uh <laughs> So I spilled a whole bottle of her red nail varnish on her white carpet. Uh, 
and she cried. And I had to pay £120 uh, to get it professionally cleaned. And was it ever the same again? Never saw her again. Oosh. Uh, never saw her again. Uh, yeah, so it was a successful successful day. Mm. But what was she thinking? Oh, yeah. White carpet, open bottle of nail varnish just on the table. Yeah, I, white, what, would, what <sighs> would you be thinking buying a white carpet? Right, anyone with a white carpet... <laughs> Please unsubscribe. <laughs> we just can't be doing with it. So, what are you up to now, Matt? I, I'd like to. I'd like to think that you're going to relax in some way because you've had a tough week. Can you tell me that you're going to go and have some nice food? Maybe a a cold glass of Guinness. I am going to go downstairs and have a curry. Oh yeah, yeah. What kind? Oh, it's a chicken tikka masala. <laughs> it's, a, it's the classic oh, C. It's the classic CTM. Oh mate, Andy Buse would be very happy with you. Andy Buse is always happy with me. Big shout out to you, Andy. I know that you're listening. Um, we should stop uh, rambling. I think I'd like to say have a good weekend to everybody. Uh, make sure that you look up at the beautiful night sky, wherever you are, and dream. 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 Beautiful ending dream, to the podcast. Dream. 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 All right, Spodcats, we love you. Um, look after yourself and each other. Bye-bye, Spodcats. Bye-bye, Spodcats.